Men, did you know that all of us have breast tissue and 400 of us in the UK and 2,800 in the US are diagnosed with breast cancer every year? And yet, almost all of the information, support and awareness materials around the disease are aimed at women. Perhaps understandably, because there is a far greater number of them who get it, but the fact remains, those men who are stricken with the disease have very little to work with in terms of information and support. That is something that this week's guest, James Richards, hopes to change. He is one such man, and he is the founder of a new non-profit called Moobs, M-O-O-B-S, uh, which is aimed at breaking that barrier and raising awareness and increasing the information available to men who are diagnosed with breast cancer. It's a really interesting conversation. We get into his journey um, and it's a it's a very harrowing journey as well. Uh, but we also talk about some of the more exciting technologies available in the treatment of not just breast, breast cancer, but cancers generally. And in that part of the conversation, I hope you will see some real calls for optimism as well. So without further delay, this is The Complete Tech Heads with me, Tom Edwards, and this is my conversation with James Richards. Complete Tech Heads. Hello, friends. This week, I am here with James Richards, who is the founder of a new nonprofit dedicated to awareness of male breast cancer. Um, James, thanks so much for joining me. Um, so we already know each other. Um, we used to go to school together and we were in a band together called Deadwax, who were, as I'm sure you recall yourself, very awesome. Um, but um, so look, do you want to give me a bit of background on um, on you and your journey to creating this nonprofit Moobs? Of course. Thanks, Tom. Um, so sort of a, a bit of background on me. So I'm a, I'm a publicist by, by trade. Um, and uh, back in January, I was sort of in a meeting crossed my arms and felt a sort of small, small kind of lump, about around the size of a pea. And uh, didn't really think much of it at the time. Um, it was only because a colleague had said, uh, you know, I should get in and get it checked out because a few years earlier he had, he had found a lump, he had got it checked. Um, and that was the first time he, he he'd sort of heard that, that, that male breast cancer was a thing. And um, even though he told me about that, I, I, I didn't really give it much thought. I actually thought, you know, it was January, um, everyone's trying to sort of lose those holiday pounds. So I was hitting the gym quite a lot and I thought it was maybe something to do with that. Um, you know, and I just kind of got on with with my day job. And um, it was probably about four or five weeks uh, later that I, I booked an appointment. Um, went to my GP and the sort of, the, the GP really wasn't concerned about it. Um, didn't think I had anything to worry about it, but was going to refer me anyway. Um, so I went to a breast clinic uh in uh in kingston hospital royal marsden and um again the first consultant wasn't particularly concerned about it um she put me into uh into an ultrasound um and uh you know it was all very sort of jolly i kind of always tried to see the light in in sort of dark situations and like i said you know i didn't think men could get breast cancer so i was wasn't really worried um and then you could sense the air kind of being sucked out of the room and um 
I was sort of telling jokes all the way through it and then all of a sudden they weren't landing. And I was like, well, it can't be my, my, my content because my content's superb, as you'll know, Tom. <laughs> um, but it, it, it felt like it had just been, been sucked out. And um, they took a biopsy, which, you know, wasn't, you know, un uncommon. Um, and then I went back to the consultant and the consultant essentially just said, look, you know, we found something maybe a bit suspicious. Um, so we're going to send that off um, for a biopsy and we wanted to send you in for, for a mammogram. And then before I went into the mammogram, she actually said, uh, you know, the results might take about two weeks and you should probably bring someone with you. It actually took three days, um, which I thought wasn't really good. Um, yeah. And then I went to get my results and um, yeah, I was told I had I had breast cancer. And I think the thing about this is I was processing the fact that I had cancer, first of all, and I think the element breast didn't really come into it until I was in the car on the way back and I read the literature. And uh, <laughs> the first bullet point was uh, wear a loose fitting bra. And so I sort of joked to my mum, I was like, right, so I have to have an S to get that loose fitting bra. And, um, you know, I, I, I make light of it. Um, but it kind of made me realise that there's a real lack of support uh, around male breast cancer. Um, and uh, and this, I sort of identified as, as a bit of an awareness problem. Um, so for me, it was, I need to do something to raise awareness of this. And before I got my full diagnosis, I was told to, um, to expect a, a terminal diagnosis. And um, for me to be, you know, finding a lump in January, and this was February and being told that. Um, fortunately, the news turned out good. I had 10 days wait, which was just terrible. Um, but I sort of thought, you know, if it can spread that quickly, it's really important that we kind of get the message out and that, that, that men can get breast cancer. And, you know, sort of looking online, you realize that, you know, this is a myth that's sort of, well, a dangerous myth that's perpetuated by by media, but also by the breast cancer charities themselves. Um, they don't put up enough information about this. And the information that you find, it usually means it's too late. Um, so for me, I had to do something about it. And that's that's how, how Moves came into existence. You know, it was the awareness side, but also to find some support um, because you're looking at 55,000 diagnoses for women each year compared to 370. So that number is, you know, very, very small. Yeah. But each of those numbers is a story. It's someone's grandfather, it's someone's uncle, father, uh, or in my case, my mum, her, her son. Um, yeah. and, and no one should die of ignorance, uh, particularly if it isn't of their own doing. Um, so that's why I, I, I set up Moobs to, to, to kind of be the solution for that. Yeah. So, like, I mean, that must have, firstly, that must have just been absolutely, I mean, I just can't imagine how crazy that must hit you like a, like a, like a steam train getting mm. something like that news like that so quickly at your age so you know for for viewers <laughs> and listeners we're both the same age we're both 37 well i, I think you're 37 or yeah well, i can't remember when your birthday is yeah you're always um, older than me Tom. okay yeah so <laughs> i mean but, so, okay so but but yeah i mean you must have you know you must have been shocked in that regard mm. but like what was your knowledge of male breast cancer prior to this like i mean because personally i think i might have some kind of random vague knowledge that it could happen but only as an incredibly rare instance i wouldn't have thought that there would be hundreds of people just in this country getting it every year what was the degree of your knowledge honestly absolutely zero um 
you know, and, and that's why I said, you know, I, I didn't go to the doctors for, for five weeks. If, if I knew you could, then then I would have booked that straight away. And I think, you know, when you think about it, of course you can. You know, every, everyone has breast tissue. Um, but, you know, as a man, you, you, you're sort of trained, you know, testicular cancer, prostate cancer. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to breast cancer, the viewpoint is, well, you know, that's a women's disease. That, that wouldn't affect me. Yeah. That's all we need to think about it. You know, and it's, it's like that thing I, I said to you previously before we started, you know, you read a newspaper and every single bit of like information in that is, is aimed at, at women. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my, my knowledge was was very little. And, and the few people I sort of talked to about it, because I've kept it quite close to my chest, pardon the pun. Um, is that <laughs> have you used that? Have you no, used that? No, Are you know using what? that in every interview? You know what? I haven't, but I'm going to start using that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I kept it close to my chest. But the few people I did tell, and you know, these are very well read people, you know, people who work in newspapers, and you know, their viewpoint was like, I had no idea, yeah, you could get that. So, you know, you don't have that knowledge. And um, if it wasn't for my colleague saying that, I, I probably wouldn't have even even thought about it and that's the scary thing it could have come to july this year and i could have thought wow this is kind of getting big and i should get this checked and you know that could have been like too late yeah god i mean so you you mentioned everyone's got breast tissue mm. i didn't know that um mm. like so is what what are the differences in that sort of anatomy and risk factor between men and women so the more breast tissue you have the, the more likely you're you're going to get breast cancer essentially so so men typically have one percent of the breast tissue compared to that of women right um, but we but we do all have nipple ducts as well and that's where where mine's located just just behind the nipple wow um, okay wow yeah so um we, we can obviously get on to to what ramifications that have has for me on treatment shortly um but you know, in the grand scheme of things, the, the disease isn't different for men and women, but it might act different. And that's because of, of physiology. I think one of the things that, that kind of highlights this. So my um, my cancer came back as genetic. So I'm a carrier of the BRAC2 gene, which, again, when you hear BRAC, you, you think breast cancer, you think women, you don't think that it affects men because it actually affects men in terms of prostate and um, and uh, pancreas. So just so just just to be mm. clear, so you've had genetic testing, mm. and they have found a gene that mm. is a risk factor for breast cancer specifically, but also affects other cancers such as prostate. So it's something that you are mm. that you've inherited, basically. Yeah, essentially, and um, so you'd say that the chances, well, the chances were that I'd, I'd pick up one of these these cancers. Um, obviously, more likely to have picked up the others than than, than breast, but. But here we are. So, you know, if you're, if you're looking at the amount of de breast tissue is, is 1%, that kind of is very close to, to what it is of, of how many diagnoses there, there are a year. Right, okay. Um, so because I had g genetic breast cancer, um, so at, this, at the very start, I was told that I'd be having a, a single mastectomy, um, you know, which is one of those things, you know, you kind of, at least you're going to be alive. Which is just to explain what what that is. Uh, so yeah. a single mastectomy. Um, again, it's one of those things which is better highlighted in, in women, and this is probably why we're, we're trained for this. So you might see women who will have one breast removed, um, and they'll just have a scar, um, and they'd also remove the lymph nodes under the arms as well at the same time. So um, it's the exact same for men. 
um, they'll take all the breast tissue and the lymph nodes. So that was always going to be the plan. Um, but I was always told that when it came to genetic, if it came back genetic, I'd need a double mastectomy, which is basically both off. Um, and a lot of women actually opt to, to do this anyway if they find out they have the, the BRAC gene because you can sort of reconstruct. Yeah. Um, so that's what I was I, I was having. And um, then when you look back, it, it's, it's not funny, but it, it's concerning in a way. I went from going from having a, a single mastectomy to a double mastectomy, then back to a single mastectomy, and then no mastectomy at all. Um, right. And the reason why is because in women, if you have the BRAC gene, you remove both breasts. That that that's just how it how it how it goes. And um, it was only in a meeting with my surgeon that they said about opting to do that that I thought, well, I haven't really opted about it. Um, and then I researched it, and I actually found genetically, when it comes to genetics men are less likely to, to have it, a reoccurrence on the other side. So actually right. there's no evidence to suggest that, that men should have a double mastectomy. Okay. And this highlights another part of the, the reason why I've started maybe it's to kind of close that knowledge gap, um, yeah. more funding into male breast cancer because it is, it, it's underfunded. And, you know, as I said, in comparison to how many women are living with it and dying each year, I, I get it. Um, but, you know, it's important that we, we know this information because there's very, very little out there. And it's, you know, it's because there's so little incidences, it's like a cookie cutter approach of, well, this is what we do for women. So, you know, this is probably what we do for men as well, yeah. which didn't seem to be the case. So the disease acts pretty much the same for men and women, but there are, are sort of slight differences. But again, because we don't have the research, you know, we don't really know what those differences are we don't really know you know what treatment is going to be exactly more effective um you know because there could be treatments which react better with with male breast cancer than female it's just something that we we, we don't know yeah yeah and i mean as you say you can understand that the majority of um you know information research mm. would go towards female breast cancer because of because of the numbers i mean that's always how scientific you know mm. medical research works right typically they will invest the resources in the in the most highly mm. probable um cases mm. but you know all so i've worked with a company who 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 look for treatments for rare diseases mm. and you often find this that there's these big gaps because the the ones where there might be less numbers do get neglected mm. so i mean it is really important to have somebody kind of flying the flag um mm. to 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 close that knowledge gap like you mm -hmm. say and 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 clearly there's you know yes you can understand that there'll be more funding for mm. the female version of the disease but that doesn't mean that there should be nothing out there it, should, it certainly doesn't mean that you should be reading that you need to buy a loose fitting bra as a man you would think that i mean that's quite you know i mean it's kind of you know we both sort of laughed about it a bit but yeah it, it is quite shocking like did you did you find that was the case wherever you looked that it was just all advice aimed at women and nothing aimed at men no i i, I mean the, what i noticed is and this comes into changing the language and and not just the language but the iconography uh, around breast cancer is you know it, it's synonymous with pink and um you know you think about breast cancer awareness month i think it's been around for 90 years it's been around for a very very long time and um you know back then it, it probably was seen just as a as a female disease yeah um but the thing is that 
that hasn't changed over time. And, you know, all the breast cancer charities, they will have, obviously, that, that men can get breast cancer. But, you know, you'll, you'll look on a page and it's pink. And the only picture of a man on that page is a doctor. Right, um, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things. It's that's the stuff that, that that kind of really needs to change because you know you're you're looking for information and you know look I like we said we we can sort of make jokes about it but I can certainly understand people that can't and um, there's a guy who I got connected with um, strangely enough through a friend who knew two people who had male breast cancer. It's it's just bizarre, I guess. And um, he didn't want to get involved or, or, or really tell his story, but he was happy for me to, to recount what he, he said. Um, you know, he's a big sort of fitness guy, very masculine. And he said, uh, you know, James, uh, you know, I've always seen myself as, as very masculine, but getting this was very emasculating. Um, and he said, even now, there's only a couple of people, very, very close friends, the one who I had a mutual friend with, and uh, and very close family who who know what cancer he had because he was embarrassed about the stigma around it. Wow. And you know he plays rugby and he said he hides from his teammates um, wow. because he's had a single mastectomy. Um, and you know that just kind of shows the, the the taboos around it. And you know there, there's no quick fix on this. Um, you know people are going to perceive it as that for a very very long time, despite what I do. Um, you know I can keep sort of like. You know, I've got a loud voice, as you know, uh, but I can only do so much um, and I need to pass that baton onto onto the breast cancer charities who really need to take this forward. You know, I want to hear from people like Breast Cancer Now and Breast Cancer Research and I want us to work together on how we, we change that language because, you know, it's a self-perpetuating thing. Um, you know, if, if nothing changes, then this is going to go on, on and on and next year we'll have another 400 diagnoses. Um, and I think one thing you said earlier about what's the difference between men and women's cancer. We don't have UK figures on this, but in the US, there's a recent study, and when I say recent, I'm talking about four years ago, that male breast cancer has a 19% higher mortality rate. And you can sit there and think, you know, is that because men anecdotally don't go to the doctors or, you know, just aren't aware that breast cancer is a thing. But even yeah. if it isn't, it means that we need to research that. And um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, th I think it's something we need to tackle quite, quite importantly, like quickly. To be fair. Yeah, I mean, do you think? So I think as 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 men, generally, we're all a bit more embarrassed about talking about health issues. Mm. Uh, you know, especially I, I can imagine if they're not traditional male health mm. issues so like you know like if doing in your knee playing football mm. i'm sure everybody's happy you know like yeah because that's the sort of blokey injury it's like mm. that's one thing but talking about something that perhaps doesn't have the kind of uh you know male masculine like social kudos of you know um i think we we can be more embarrassed about talking about that stuff did you, yeah. did you? I mean, and it's also it's very it's very brave. I think that you're doing this and and going like, look, I'm not going to swear for the YouTube. If you're listening, no swears here. Um, but you know, sod it. I'm going to go for this. But did you yourself feel a degree of embarrassment about the particular type of cancer that you had at the time? You know what? I didn't think I did at the time, um, but I must have because I realised on Friday. When I was on BBC Breakfast, it was the first time a lot of people would know the type of cancer I had. 
right so i i think that that does highlight it and you know yeah it was and, for me yeah and obviously, you know we interact on twitter and you've you've mentioned cancer before but yeah. that was that was the first time i'd i'd heard that that was what it was yeah i i mean that that's exactly it and you know you said about you know getting out there and doing it i thought if i'm not going to do it then how could i expect anyone else to and i think it, it's quite funny when we're talking about the the labeling of it all you know we don't give gender stereotypes to other cancers you know, we don't hear of a woman having a, a female brain tumour and a male brain tumour or, or, yeah. or male lung cancer. So why should that be the case with breast cancer? Yeah, um, yeah. It, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a silly point, but it's, it's true. Um, you know, we all have breasts. Chicken, chickens have breasts. Everyone, <laughs> everyone, everyone has breasts. Um, yeah. Well, well, I mean, people don't know that, though, do they? Like, when you just said it in this conversation, I didn't realise that men had breast tissue. I think I would have assumed that it would be something to do with, you know, what, like the nipple ducts, like, like hmm. you mentioned, or something around the, you know, pectoral muscle or something. Hmm. I didn't know that men actually had breast tissue. So hmm. that's just clearly one point of misunderstanding straight off the bat right yeah no exactly and um yeah i i think a big part of it you could look you can only challenge those 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 stigmas and taboos by raising awareness and challenging that language and that's the bare bones about it. if you don't change that we won't be able to change anything um and like i said i think for me i have had since i've started this had charities now reach out um Great. To have meetings and, and and talks but you know what what's going to come out then we'll we'll see like i said it's it's a it's a it's going to be a, a big ship to turn um and it's going to be slow and we can't really have piecemeal here it has to kind of be a fundamental change we're we're in 2023 and you know and i'm and me i'm embarrassed about talking about having having breast cancer you know yeah yes yeah, it's, it's funny that we see it's we're, we're all so aware of gender politics in mm. every, every every other walk of life but mm. this seems like you said this seems to be something that we're you know happy to be very gendered about even though actually there's it sounds like we shouldn't be no precisely yeah um yeah so okay so look i mean that's your your journey has been i mean like i mean it sounds harrowing like you know any cancer diagnosis must be must be horrendous yeah but but what was the well so you what what was the, the prognosis first of all but then also what were the treatment options that were available mm -hmm. um and what 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 treatments have you have you had mm -hmm. how are you doing now yeah so the the, the prognosis uh the, the very beginning was was really really positive um it's quite interesting actually one thing that that i will say uh i think when I went up to get my my diagnosis, so I, I, I knew when I went there and, you know, it, it came back very quickly and I was taken to a different room. I thought, OK, I know what this is. And I actually think I might have had my little sort of breakdown when, you know, they told me they found something suspicious, actually. And they always say or it's always portrayed in films or, you know, just in popular culture that, you know, the world closes in on you and you don't take anything in. Um, it was a complete opposite for me. My brain was just going a, a million miles an hour and it was just like... It's funny, going a million miles an hour, but everything was also very slow motion. And it was just asking all these questions just to kind of also kind of convince myself that I'd be okay. Um, the really positive stuff was, you know, she said, look, it's really, really aggressive. Um, she said, but the good thing is, is that it's, you know, highly curable. You know, you're, you're going to be fine. 
And so I was initially told it was going to be, um, cause I also had it in my lymph nodes as well. So right. the lymph glands are like filters. So if you get breast cancer, you know, you're likely to have it there. It's like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. They go hand in hand and, and dance. Right. Okay. Um, and so that, that also affects the, so that that's the case for most cancers, isn't it? That, that they will check lymph nodes. Um, yeah. and, that affects the staging as well, right? So does that mean that you were stage two? Uh, no, so th at this stage, I was stage three. Right. Um, okay. So the the lymph nodes, as I said, they'll act as that filter. Um, uh, but, you know, cancer will go through and that's, ha that's how it spreads. Um, so, you know, I was told, you know, it, it, everything is positive. And then you're sort of on a conveyor belt. Um, and it's just test after test after test. And I had a meeting with my oncologist and I was still waiting for some of my tests, my PET scan, most importantly. But, um, you know, I remember about a week after I got my diagnosis, I was just kind of getting my head around it and thought, you know, this is going to be, you know, a real git, but we'll get through it. And um, I remember I went up to work and I, I, I told a few people I was getting the train back and it was pouring down a rain, put into Brentford Station. I got this call. I had this thing where I always had calls from the hospital and always jump because you, you don't know what the news is going to be. Like, yeah. it, honestly, it's it's terrifying you know for, for me as a publicist as well my phone's always ringing so it's not like a, i could put it away and i was told they found lumps yeah. in my liver in my liver and lung and that my lymph nodes were up and um it was a liaison nurse so she couldn't really tell me what this meant but all i heard was like lumps um and then i i met my oncologist and uh, my oncologist said look you know she took me through what the treatment would be so the treatment was always going to be chemo surgery radiotherapy and um she goes look I, I do need to tell you something she's like because your lymph nodes are up it suggests that potentially it may have spread and um you know combined with the lumps that we found we need to start preparing you for a terminal stage four diagnosis wow. and um you know i think my question was like we haven't even got the results yet um so i went away from that oh yeah and then the treatment after that was like you know no chemotherapy it was basically palliative care um and I had 11 days to wait until I found out that that wasn't the case. And uh, probably the darkest moments I've ever had in my life, you know, yeah, as you okay. can imagine. And, you know, the things that go through your head, you know, I just spent like hours walking. And uh, I came to the decision like halfway through it that if it came back as terminal, because um, I didn't, I hadn't told that many people, that if it came back as terminal, that I just wouldn't tell anyone. And, and when it came to it, I'd just t take my own life. Um, I didn't really want, want the sympathy uh, around that. Yeah, it was it was pretty dark. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, coming on from that in terms of like the treatment, I was then told that it wasn't, uh, I had an underlying tooth infection. Uh, and oh the lumps were really small in my lung and liver and were, were, weren't anything to worry about. So I had to get my tooth pulled out. Jesus. Yeah. Man. Uh, I know. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It, it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. But, you know. Tooth infection. Yeah, which I didn't know about. So I had, to get, I had to get my yeah I had to get my tooth pulled out. The best tooth infection you've oh, ever had, I, I bet. Know, I, and you know it's it's really funny. <laughs> my, my next door neighbour got. Um, it's funny how these things happen. She got the all clear from cancer uh, the day I got diagnosed, and that's just wow. you know really strange, serendipitous yeah. as they say. Um, and uh, I told her, and we were jumping around, and I was like, I can't believe I'm celebrating. I've got stage three cancer. Um, but yeah, so so then as soon as that happened, it was uh, it was chemotherapy. Um, so I was having uh, one drug every other week called EC, which is really really tough. And um, 
it's it was uh very very full on and uh halfway through when it came back from genetic they added an extra 12 weeks um with uh, a combination of two drugs every other week so it went on and on um and i finished chemotherapy six weeks ago now the thing that i'll say about chemotherapy and it's interesting about the advancements we've made over the last 20 years so the people i had spoken to primarily had had breast cancer or cancers and got treated 10 years plus and in that time the drugs have become much more targeted so whereas before you were kind of blitzing your whole body um, it's much more attuned to the, the certain proteins for specific cancers. Um, so <clears throat> EC, which was a drug I was using, was particularly good for for, for breast cancer, and that's the primary drug. Um, Paxiotax was a, is another one which I I also took in the second half. But it's funny because you know I think we all have this perception, and again, it, it's all perceptions of cancer about chemotherapy that you're going to be throwing up constantly, walking around with like a drip you know, looking gaunt and, and just looking terrible. But, you know, I had a thing called uh, a cold cap, a cooling cap, um, and they're created by these guys called Paxman, uh, like Jeremy Paxman. Um, and uh, I use this cold cap, and you wouldn't believe, I finished chemo six weeks ago. And I've, I, my hair, I mean, Tom yeah. can I usually have much bigger and longer hair. But, you know, you'll lose a bit of it, but essentially how it works is it cools those hair follicles. And although you'll lose some, it also sort of promotes growth afterwards. Um, you know, and this stuff just wasn't available like like 10 or 20 years ago. So you sort of look at the advancements in, in chemotherapy sort of already and, and kind of where that can go forward. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the whole like uh, concept of, of drugs delivery actually, you know, for me, I would, I would snap your hands off for the, the, the side effects, you know, I had, but there are still side effects that I'm probably going to have for life. You know, I, I can't feel my left foot, for example. Really? It's just, it's just one of those things. It's, you know, you're, you're, you're having bouts of radiation, you know, and, and the yeah. more you have, the more it's going to affect you long term. You know, I think my brain isn't, isn't what it was. I think during chemo, I, I had things like stutters. Um, I still have complete blanks and I don't know what I'm talking about or I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but in terms of drug delivery going forward, I think there's real hope within like nanorobotics. And I know you've talked about nanorobotics previously on this. I podcast. have. Um, but these these DDSs, drug delivery systems, um, they could be taken orally or like you know um, put into your bloodstream, and uh, they're targeted between. They, they use your DNA, but they're also targeted towards the specific proteins. So they're guided by that, essentially. Um, yeah. Think of it kind of like a magnet, I, I guess. And uh, what they're allowed to do is they'll be able to be so targeted that it won't affect all your other cells. So essentially, we're talking about a time that possibly in 10 years, chemotherapy is being phased out because wow. you have these nano robots that can deliver highly concentrated radiation just to those cells the ones that need to be removed um and you know there, there are trials kind of going on like at the moment i don't think they've gone into humans yet but the the science is there and i think that's really really encouraging for for the future of, of sort of yeah chemotherapy. yeah well that's amazing i mean so uh, uh, you know i for for listeners and viewers i know you know this but so my dad had had cancer uh, and had various different stages of chemotherapy and he had a similar thing to you actually he said that he couldn't feel the soles of his feet mm. um and 
the one bout he had was 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 very like it was very very strong. I think they initially were quite targeted with it, and then it became more and more broad. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then he you know he couldn't even couldn't walk. You know he he couldn't even control his hand. You know it was just yeah. his arms were moving. It was it was you know not fun. Yeah, it completely wiped him out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that is as you say, as far as I understand it, because by that stage it was very broad so it was you know that so i I guess there's a relationship there between the degree of specificity Mm -hmm. and the severity of the side effects Mm. right and i guess it makes sense when you think about it like that like if Mm. you if you're able to zone in on exactly what you're looking for Mm. then you don't have to hit all of the other cells that are doing other stuff Mm -hmm. that that's not relevant right um so yeah so uh, i mean nanobots that's crazy i guess that's just taking that concept to exact pinpoint accuracy right um and i suppose with stuff like the um so i don't know if you if you have heard about the uh, deep mind protein folding work where they've there so google deep mind basically have 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 solved the protein folding problem so they can now you know, visualize, you know, they can map the the shape of every protein, which would have taken like my, I had a guest on a couple of weeks ago who was saying that it was, it was like, if, if you had had a person doing it in a lab, mm. it would have taken like 10 billion years or something. Um, and they've yeah. just, they've just solved this thing. So I guess with, with that kind of technology, understanding the human body mm. and then the nanobots that, mm. that you've been uh, explaining, mm. you can, really zero right in yeah and i I think actually what you you just said as well about the the modeling i think you know we we can't ignore what ai is doing at at the moment and um so you know there's there's huge advancements in ai you know we've really got that sort of watershed moment and um i think like as a publicist and and loving the media i'm i'm naturally suspicious about ai but i've had to come around to it quite quickly um but, you know, AI, in terms of, if you think about, about early detection, you know, you can use AI and algorithms to essentially, you know, map your biology. And, you know, early detection, look, with, with all cancers, um, it's always about early detection. And, you know, that's why I'm saying that men need to be aware of it and, you know, and be checking and, and stuff like that. But, you know, AI could essentially find this at like stage one and stage two. And you know that's revolutionary. So how what so what what would what would an AI have been able to do for you had it been around? Is it like imaging and then uh, like recognizing irregularities yeah. in like photo images? I, I think there's a number of pathways that that they're sort of looking at. I think for me, it, it, it's it's too late for me. I mean, if they were doing, because you know, you don't know in terms of how this can be used, whether it will be something that's brought in at certain ages to check. So it's it's hard to say, and, and it's all hypothetical. But I, I think in the future, if you're doing regular screening and it was done through like a blood test or you know maybe like you say some imagery, yeah. um, you know that that could that that's that's a game changer because essentially. Right. It, it would mean that, you know, before you're even on your journey, you're already kind of past it because you've got these nanobots, you know, if required, who could do that. But I think it also raised another really interesting point. And one of the things that 
is, is you probably would have read in the last six months you're hearing these things about vaccines and immunotherapy yeah and these advancements i mean you know you always say that technology advances as it's needed and i think the, the greatest example is they always say about war that during war you'll always get the most technological advance i think if you look at you know nuclear fission and and how that was applied since then but you know when you look at the covid pandemic you know probably the one thing one positive that's come out of that is you had these big companies like Pfizer and Moderna working together full, full, full hog on, on a vaccine. And they found developments through that. And, you know, you heard uh, Moderna chief executive about four or five months ago coming out and saying, we're going to have vaccines for, for cancers, um, you know, and it'll be like a, an annual flu jab, essentially. And, um, you know, only, I think, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, the government has signed a deal with BioNTech, who are a German company, um, with the promise of rolling out 10,000 immunotherapy vaccines against cancer by 2030. Um, and so if you're thinking about AI, if you find AI finding a, you know, stage one or stage two, and then you use one of these vaccines, which is, you know, targeted, then it could essentially mean the end of cancer. And I think uh, just last week, there's um, an Ohio-based company in Cleveland who have done a trial around breast cancer and vaccines. And it's essentially stopped this cancer from coming back. It's put it in remission. Um, wow. So you can, you can see and like, you can forward think about how, how that could affect stuff. You know, I think for me, like I said, mine's come back as genetic. And you know, there's a very high chance I'm not here in 20 years. Um, so I have a very biased opinion of, you know, biased viewpoint of, of all of this, but, you know, I have to put my faith in, in AI and I have to put my faith in these vaccines, yeah. um, you know, and, you know, I, I'm hopeful that in 10 years it'd be a different picture and, you know, it'd be great if, you know, if you think about it, if you get diagnosed with cancer and it's like, oh, I've just got to have a few days off work, you know, it's one of those things. And, um, so there is a lot. We're on the cusp of a, of a medical revolution. I can imagine working in the medical community. It's, it's an exciting time. Yeah. Um, for me, yeah. not, not so much right now. I'm, like I said, pinning all my hopes on it. But, you know, I, I think there are so many advancements going on at the moment that, you know, which can only be a positive thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean, hopefully they'll, they'll happen sooner, sooner mm. rather than later. I mean, so have, have you heard of a, a term uh longevity escape velocity uh no i haven't so it's it's th it, it, it's there's a there's a longevity community right mm. um i had i had one of them on a couple of weeks ago oh i know this community i know this we have a mutual friend called andy who's obsessed with these people oh really is he really oh god really yeah okay cool yeah so brian johnson is the is the main kind of protagonist of this yeah yeah well. Anyway, so this idea of longevity escape velocity is essentially where, um, like, you want to live long enough for, because he doesn't ever, his whole thing is he wants to drastically in, in, increase the human lifespan beyond, you know, 70 years or whatever it is. Now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so the, the idea is that you want to, um, if you can, if medical science can basically get to a stage where it's outpacing the um human lifespan mm. i.e it's adding more years on than than humans are aging mm. there'll come a point where it's moving faster than you know any individual's life right mm. and so his whole idea is that you need to re reach escape velocity live long enough to see the time where 
medical science has solved all of your problems. Yeah. Um, which is like, you know, that's a, you know, whatever you think about that. But I guess each of us is on our own kind of, you know, uh, run. It's almost like a, it's not a sprint. It's almost like you're trying to go slower than than uh, the medical science, right? You're waiting for medical science to catch you up because, yeah. you know, we're all going to... We're all going to get something at some point. Like, I mean, you've you've had this very young, and that's what's shocking about it, and what's what's very sad about it. Um, but all of us are going to get something at some point, and so we're all in this kind of race with medical science now because of this explosion of technology. Mm. That if only it will catch us up, then you know we uh, we might, um, you know, have all of our all of our problems solved by the AI. Everything right? will be fine. Everything will be fine. <laughs> right yeah i mean yeah you know yeah um but yeah it, it you know because there is this explosion now of, mm. of 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 medical science with with ai um so you mentioned immunotherapy as well mm. so is that only linked to vaccines or is there other types of immunotherapy that aren't necessarily a vaccine they're ways of like stimulating your immune system in in other ways I mean, the the ones that have been really taking those advancements have, have been vaccines. And that, as I said, is right. the advancements that's been happening through through COVID, you know, new yeah. techniques. You know, I'm I'm sure there there are other ways of, of doing this that we maybe don't know about. You know, I, I think, you know, there's there's always things that, that the people are working on, but isn't public knowledge. So, mm. you know, I'm sure like everything, everything opens doors to something else. So, you know, with the, the vaccines, you could then think, oh, OK, well, that's if that works like this, then maybe this can be applied like this. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's probably different, different ways of doing it, like way above sort of my knowledge base. Um, but you know, I think there's so much about immunotherapy and tight immunotherapy that, that there has to be something to it. Um, yeah. so yeah, hopefully it'll be one of those things that once my cancer treatment has, is finished, that there will be something where it's like uh, an annual flu jab and it's like, well, this is just a stop yeah. of more coming back because yeah. like I said, when you've got it genetically, it's like I said, the chance are very high. I mean, one thing that, that I was sort of thinking about the genetic side is, you know, this is a gene that could be passed down and I'm actually not sure how they do this, but I spoke to a genetic expert and they were saying they can actually remove the BRAC one and two gene in the embryonic stage of reproduction. Wow. So that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. So you, you sit there and you think, you know, if your partner is is pregnant and you're worried about the gene, they can get tested. And if they have it, that can be removed. And then that solves the problem of, of, of the BRAC gene, essentially. Um, I mean, do you remember when people used to kind of say, oh, designer babies, you know, hmm. how how awful would that be? Yeah. You know, actually, they've turned up and it's not such a bad thing after all. I mean, that sounds pretty amazing to me. No, exactly. Um, and if you, you know, think that. about, you know, if my mum was offered that when I was, I was young, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah, when yeah, I was being born. So, like, you know, it's, I, you know, that's another debate about designer babies and, and all of that. But yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with removing a gene that could significantly limit the the lifetime of of your child no god no no i mean jesus like yeah it's a it's a no-brainer as far as i'm concerned like, i can't see any ethical concern <laughs> with removing a gene that is just going to cause sorrow heartache and and pain and misery and not, like, and not just for that person for for everyone everyone around that's the thing yeah it isn't yeah. just uh you know thing for the person going through it it's for everyone 
Yeah, yeah every, everyone sure. and sure. um, I think I said before, I said, you know, cancer's isolating enough. And uh, this, again, it comes back to why I sell moves. You know, if you don't have that tailored support, you feel even more alone. And, yeah. you know, you, you're, it's tough for your family to understand. You, you know, it's, um, you know, everyone's affected by cancer at some point in their life. So if it's not them, it's someone they know or love. Um, yeah. You know, and, yeah, it's, it's just something that, you know, we need to get better at in terms of that, that side of it. So. For sure. So, so moves then. Mm. Your mission, it sounds like, is to improve knowledge, communication, support mm -hmm. for male breast cancer. Is that mm -hmm. a, a fair summary? Yeah, aware, awareness is a big one um, because that's the, the sort of stuff in the trenches on the ground that people need to, to know straight away. And like I said, I think that part is only by changing that language and iconography of it all. Um, so like I said, it's great that you know, appearing on your podcast and, and doing things like BBC Breakfast and all those interviews is great. Yeah, the big two, <laughs> BBC yeah, Breakfast yeah. And, and, and my you podcast. Know, I mentioned You've made it. Right. You, you know, I mentioned the podcast first. But, um, you know, and, and that's all great. And, you know, but there's an old saying that, you know, today's news is like tomorrow's fish paper. You know, it's it, it's a flash in the pan. Just keep but, going. Yeah, Just exactly. Going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the next thing now is, you know, I, I've got meetings booked in with these breast cancer charities, which is is great. Um, but it's let's see what we can actually do and to see if it's, it's going to be lasting change. Um, I suspect it's a bigger job than that. Um, yeah. So for me, you know, I, I mean, my aim for, for moves is, is for it to not exist in five years. And that's right. because we successfully challenged. So what does the world look like at that point then? Uh, like what, paint me a picture of moves, mission success, we're sh we're shutting up shop because we've done our job. Uh, the first thing is, like I said, things like websites in terms of language. There are some some charities who do it well, um, but these are usually secondary care, like sort of after cancer, rather than sort of the primary awareness side of things. Okay. You know, I I would like to see a move away from this uh, synonymous with pink. Um, because I, it's why I've chosen the colours black and white for my website because I want it to be as obviously different to pink as possible. Um, I want to see, you know, how it's referred to in the press differently. I don't want to see things targeted at just just women. I think during this whole, you know, journey, we like to say the word journey when, when we get cancer, is um, that Fergus Walsh of the BBC was the only person that I heard as a journalist who said that, that men could get breast cancer. Um, all the rest is just, you know, women, women, women. So I'd like to see an end of the sort of gender, like specific, you know, it should be non-gender specific. Um, yeah. And, you know, that comes from all communications from charities as well. Because um, I have seen statements uh, from leading charities, so I'm not going to name, um, who said about the importance of women checking their breasts. And it's, that should never be the case. It should be, people should be checking their breasts. Um, you know, and it doesn't matter what gender you are or, you know, it, everyone has breast issue. Yeah. You know, so it's, um, you, we, we have to be more, like I said, challenge that language and challenge the iconography of it all. Um, and then finally, it's about sort of finding more information about breast cancer in terms of like funding, um, you know, whether that be to, to private companies to sort of do it or, or, or actual public like funding, you know, um, so yeah, so that that's what success looks like. Success looks like me not being sat giving interviews about my own breast cancer. And just quickly uh, mm. before we before we wrap, so you've, you've you've set up as a non profit. 
you've done it all yourself mm. while you know uh, going through treatment and uh, I, I assume not working or or working a bit or like yeah, it's all bits and bobs bits yeah. and bobs but not um you know it, it it's hard particularly with how my brain is at the moment to be able to run you know big campaigns or, or yeah or of course yeah. day business but you know my my um my NC has been like so super supportive in everything right. i've done cow give them a shout cow, out shout cow, out cow cow, um, no, cow um yeah but they, they've been incredible and um yeah so it, it it allowed me that time to sort of kind of dedicate to kind of setting this up and what how's it how's it been so what's the is it okay i mean look agency life is insanely stressful as as, as we both know yeah. um how how does how does setting up a non-profit compare like what has it been a you know, big learning process? Has it been yeah. actually more straightforward than one might think? Um, well, the first thing I say is it's been a lifesaver. And I think particularly when I finished chemo, because with chemo, you're sort of like got a safety blanket around you. Whereas like when I came out of chemo, you then have all these scary decisions and, and, and stuff like that. So it's been a really good distraction in a way to kind of do that. So it has been a lifesaver, been something that that's interesting. Been, that, just open. to pick up on that quickly, mm. you say chemo felt like a safety blanket. Mm. How, how do you mean? So I think when you're in chemo, you just need to get through chemo. Right. Um, you don't really think about, you live day to day in chemo, essentially. You're not really worried about the afters. And I think when they take, when you finish chemo, you sort of lose the sort of weekly sort of support with chemo nurses, which is, is sort of one. But you kind of lose that terra firma, the firm ground that you're sort of based around. So it's like having a bike and then having your stabilizer taken off. That's sort of how, how I found right. it. And, and actually... I found it quite difficult mentally to, to sort of deal with all of that because then it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, that's chemo. And you know when you're having chemo, you know that you're having treatment. And I guess, like, once that's taken away, you're sort of sitting there, like, thinking, oh, you know, what's what's sort of next? Right. Um, yeah, back to it, real life, which is... Yeah, in, in a way. It, scary. It, yeah, really scary, you know. And um, I don't really... I don't scare easily, but that, that's been quite, yeah, quite scary. But um, I think... It was one of those things that I, it, it, the idea came to me like that I had to do it now was when I got my genetic testing. Cause I was thinking about doing it next year. Um, but maybe I would have lost, I would have been a bit further removed from it. Um, so I wouldn't be able to talk maybe quite as convincingly about it because I'm, I'm going through it now. Um, so that was kind of July-ish time when, when I sort of thought, right, I've got to do it now. And um, I mean, in theory, you sit there and you know exactly what you're doing. Um, but it is a big learning process because everything's been done by me. I mean, the one thing I can do is is, is publicity because it's, it's my job. Um, but it was doing everything sort of around that. So it was, you know, creating websites, learning how to sort of code a website, you know, and I'm not really that way inclined, um, you know, like learning well, photos. AI, AI can do that for you well, now. There you go. Um, and... Uh, and you know, learning how to do, like, do Photoshop and stuff like that, and just thinking of all these things, and um, and then the hardest part, and I think I've been putting it off, was um, was writing my own press release, right. and uh, yeah. it was really weird because I was like, I, I'm a bit too close to it all, um, but you know, I, I wrote my press release, and I think one of the benefits is you don't have to wait for people to sign it off. <laughs> 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 
and uh, yeah, you're the client. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's it's really funny. Like things like, oh god, I have to I have to do a photo shoot, and I have to like you know approve these photos. It's, it was just one of those things, and then I kind of realised actually, you know, I can turn this around really really quickly because I don't have to go through. A, a long approvals process. <laughs> yeah. um, God, that must be great. Imagine, can't imagine how uh, how uh, quick it must be. <laughs> I, was, I, I was sat there on Friday and I was like, it's really funny actually, because like, I never felt more tense doing this campaign. You're sitting there looking at like coverage, trying to like, will it, it throw? And I thought, do I give myself a coverage update? And like, yeah. had, <laughs> had these things like, oh yeah, we're warm conversations with so-and-so. <laughs> and, <laughs> And uh, yeah, we are in my own my own coverage, um, yeah. but no, it's uh, it's it's been it's been an experience. I mean, look, anything is going to be be scary, like going out in your own, setting out your own business, and or anything like that. I mean, this isn't a business; this is a you know a, a not for profit. And currently, we don't have charity status. We are we are moving towards that, um, and that was a deliberate decision because the idea was to to launch it straight up as a charity. Um, and I thought actually a good way of doing this maybe is is setting it up as sort of a not-for-profit organization uh, doing support and, and awareness and then working with those big charities you know and I want to emphasize the word with um, yeah is you know I think there is a habit that you know these these little sort of uh, they can get eaten up by big charities I think you know with the best intentions and I, and I have seen it, not just in, in, in breast cancer, but initiatives that start out sort of being very independent, being eaten up and then sort of kind of like adding to the problem as it, as it yeah. were and thinking, well, you know, you had something great and, and now it's turning to this. So I think one of the things that is very, very important is, is I need to be quite protective over it, you know, and it, it's a weird one because I don't really want to be doing this. Um, also, Kat has just arrived, I can see. Um, I don't really want to be doing this, but um, like I said earlier, if, if, if I'm not prepared to do it, then, then who is? And I think I sat there and I thought, I have the ability to do this. And, you know, waiting until next year is another 400 diagnoses who might go yeah. through the same same thing as me. And yeah, um, yeah so so that's <laughs> that's kind of where where I was with it. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've got surgery in, a, in about a week. And then um, it's kind of back to it, and uh, and sort okay. of in my drum. So, so on on you then. So you've mm. you finished chemotherapy, you said. Mm hmm. Um, and finished, finished, or finished the the, the latest round? Uh, finished, finished. Okay, brilliant. Um, well, well done for getting through that. I know how brutal it is. From mm -hmm. yeah, as, as I said, family experience. Um, so surgery. What have you have you got other treatment lined up? Like how what what's your what's your status now? How uh, what, yes. what's the next? So I'm having yep. I'm having something uh, called a central excision, um, and a central excision is is essentially it's like a mini mastectomy. So it's essentially just taking away my nipple and like a bit more. Right. Um, so it's not as invasive. Um, so I'm having that first of all, and then uh, radiotherapy at the end of the year, and then reconstruction. So. Um, okay. You know, there's a there's a few options on the table in terms of nipple reconstruction. Um, right. you know, I think a lot of it is, you know, a lot of people sort of favour like a tattoo or something like that. Some people don't. Okay. Um, but uh, for me, you know, I I, I would like a nipple back. Um, you Fair know, enough, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about the scarring, but I I, I kind of want a nipple. Um, sure. So uh, so I've been looking at um, solutions. There's various solutions available where you can sort okay. of kind of reconstruct that nipple. So. Okay. 
Um, so then surgery, radiotherapy. New nipple. New nipple. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, um, well, look, um, is there finally, before we wrap up, is there anything um, that you want to put out there? Like, you know, wh wh where can we find you? Any, any final thoughts that you want to, that you want to get on the record? Yeah, I think the main thing is is awareness men can get breast cancer. Like check, it's really, really, it's easier for men to check than women because there's less breast tissue. And, it, you know, it's easier than checking your testicles as well. You know, it's, it's you're going to know your own body. And, you know, if there's anything there, you know, it, nine, out, nine, nine times out of ten, it's going to be nothing but just go. Um, and uh, the second one is, you know, if you have any questions or anything like that, then go to um, www, yeah, uk or on um, Instagram or X, it's at moobs underscore UK. Um, hopefully it's something that you're not going to need. Um, but like I said, just know that, that men can get breast cancer. And, you know, if even if one of your friends um, has found something, just tell them to go. Okay. All right. Well... Thanks so much for coming on. I think um, it's amazing to see what you've done turning this horrible negative into into a positive, mm. um, putting the message out there. Lads, if you're listening, and I know that 95% of you on YouTube are are men <laughs> who, watch, who watch my YouTube. So 95% of viewers, make sure you're checking your, your nipples and your breast tissue, looking for lumps. But James... Respect. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you for having me. Complete check. Heads. Well